Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Breaking it down, Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Dr. Lisa Libertor is our very special guest, and she is uh, she and her husband run two not for profits, and uh, they're both surrounded around uh, helping uh, awareness and helping uh, uh, house uh, folks that uh, that suffer from autism, and uh, and and the the good doctor is here with us, and we're going to talk about those. Organizations, and you're going to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, one is Love Michael, I believe, and uh, and and we'll get the other one uh, from Dr. Lisa as we introduce her. Uh, Dr. Libertor, how are you? Good, thank you, Frank. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. And Love Michael is is one of the organizations, and the uh, the other one is is the one that has to do with uh, housing. Homes, uh, homes. Plus U.S. Autism Homes. Okay. U.S. Autism Homes is, a, is our nonprofit that focuses on creating um, uh, opportunities for shared living uh, for autistic adults and an opportunity that will exist beyond the lives of the parents. And that's really the key. That this is this is to help parents with that um, burning question: What will happen when I'm no longer around? You know, people people say things over the years. And sometimes, you know, non-medical people like myself, we, we pick up uh, little uh, little bits and pieces. And, and sometimes uh, a, a little information is a dangerous thing. Maybe you can clarify, uh, you know, a, a couple of quick things. First of all, uh, so many people have, uh, have pointed to the idea that there's much more autism now. Uh, then when I was, I'm 55 years old. So when I was growing up, uh, there was uh, there was less, and I always took it as a, uh, as a fact. Uh, people said it, and as I looked around uh, and I thought around, I I didn't see as uh, many people that that I would think were beyond the spectrum. Um, but then again, I don't know. I mean, is it is it a fact that there's more autism now than when I was growing up? Yes. Well, if you look at statistics and from 1980, they say that there, the diagnosis of autism was one in 10,000, and now it's one in 44 births. So clearly, um, there's a, a, a huge dramatic increase in, um, in, the, uh, in the incidence. And the reason for that is there's many different factors. Um, but, but a big factor, honestly, is an understanding of autism and what that is as a diagnosis. Um, so in the older days, um, you know, everybody was sort of lumped together um, and some of the some of the you know, some of the descriptions uh, or words that were used, you know, back in the you know, 70s and before that, you know, would be unacceptable now, you know, using the word mentally retarded and, and uh, all, you know, many, many different uh, labels are, are not are not appropriate anymore. We say intellectually disabled. We say on the autism spectrum um and so the words that you use 
and the way the way that you um, characterize somebody um, is very important. And um, you know, it it's uh, that's really you know where the education should be. How how do we how do we talk about people and their people first? They're not a you know they're not a diagnosis. Um, the other thing is that people with any kind of disability were pretty much put in um, institutions. You know, institutional um, living was uh, was what happened with many people with with any kind of disability. Um, and you might have remembered the famous uh, story about Willowbrook, yeah. um, which was, which was a home in. Uh, in, in Staten Island, institution in Staten Island with 5,000 uh, young people in that housed in there in atrocious, atrocious situation. Uh, and that was actually um, the, the story about that was was um, brought forth by uh, our own local um, Vicki Schnapps, who's now Southampton uh, uh, resident and um, Geraldo Rivera, right, made his claim to fame by going hidden cameras. So, you know, the the everything now relating to people with disabilities is giving the respect um, for them and to try to help people with whatever disability lead a life that they want. It's called self-direction, you know, being able to advocate for yourself and not, you know, not necessarily be told what you should be doing, where you should be living. And that's really that's, that's our approach, try to give people the respect that they deserve and help them live the life that they and their parents um, would dream for them. And uh, living in an institution isolated from your family is not any parent's dream for their child. Yeah, no question about it. Let me remind folks that are just tuning in or turning on their radios a little late. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Dr. Lisa Libertor is our very special guest and um and we have her for a couple more moments and uh, and let's find out about the organizations and uh, and uh, give us the genesis of of both organizations and take your pick of, of which one to start uh but we we certainly want to uh we want to end when we end uh with the way to get in touch with you and and get in touch with the organizations uh but i i guess start with love michael so both organizations, Frank, are, are inspired by our son, Michael, who's on the autism spectrum. He's 24 years old now. We started Love Michael when he was 17 um, because we realized there was actually no plan from his school and, and for him and his and his, and his uh, classmates what would happen when they aged out of school at 21. And parents are really shocked to see that it's going to be all on them to figure out what they're going to do with their adult child um, without the support of a school system anymore. And, um, you know, they say little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. And you're going to be an adult a lot longer than you're going to be a child. So we realized this was going to be, this was an oh, oh, oh shit moment, actually. And we started um, just trying to, you know, uh, figure out what we can do um, because the opportunities didn't exist. Um, and so we, we started Love Michael um, and we focused Love Michael on the skill that he had, which was being very helpful in a kitchen. Um, and so we started a food business that we actually make a handmade, it's a, actually a handmade granola that's made and you might see it in some stores called Love Michael. Uh, Love Michael granola, it's in two flavors and it's actually the way to uh, give somebody a job is to um, actually provide a job. And so we, we created this whole organization which functions out of right now, it's a long story, but you can go online and see it. 
Um, it functions out of Tribeca, New York City. It's a beautiful mid-level manufacturing kitchen for 25 participants now. It's way beyond my son, Michael. Um, and, uh, and that's Love Michael. I guess the, the, the more difficult uh, problem was what was going to happen when we're no longer around. Where was Michael going to live? And um, Michael wanted what his brother wanted, you know, an opportunity to live independently from his parents. But being severely autistic, that was unlikely to happen without creating an opportunity. And so that's U.S. Autism Homes. And U.S. Autism Homes, the home base is actually in Southampton. Uh, we, my husband and I have, uh, have, you know, started the ball rolling with um, three homes uh, in Southampton uh, for 11 young people on the autism spectrum, seven, uh, eight, sorry, eight young men and three young women. Um, and we're really trying to create, like I said, this meaningful life for them with involvement in the community. Um, and before we end our call, I'd just like to invite everybody, September 13th, we are hosting, Love Michael U.S. Autism Homes is hosting uh, Surface Healing, an event in Southampton, which will be on Pongquag Beach, for 150 uh, children and young adults on the autism spectrum to have one perfect day of um, surfing. So, you know, we, it's our way to give back to the community and to show people, um, you know, that uh, we're here to be, to enrich the community, and we're just looking for love and acceptance for our, for guys on the autism spectrum. Uh, Dr. Libertor, I just thank you to you and your husband. Uh, let's uh, for for uh, just uh, for the record, what's what's your husband's first name? Uh, my husband's name is D Dr. Dimitri Casares, and uh, he's a urologist in Long Island and Queens. So um, yeah, we're local local people, born in born in Queens, now living in Southampton and uh, in Manhattan. So. Um, very happy to be um, doing this work in our community. Well, what, what a job you've done. Congratulations on, on all of that. Thank you again both uh, very much. And let's uh, make this the part one, and, and hopefully we can uh, get a steady flow of information from you. Uh, Dr. Lisa Libertor, can you give us a, a website, a social media site, where we can follow along with you and the two organizations? Yeah, I would direct everybody to the website. Love Michael L. It's spelled L-U-V Michael.org, and the other one is usautismhomes.org. So if you go to the website, you'll see all all the material and all about us, where to find us. Well, listen, thank you, thank you very much for being here, Dr. Libertor. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Dr. Lisa Libertor has been our very special guest. And uh, the, the two organizations are just wonderful for, for folks that are on the spectrum, uh, folks that are, are dealing with, uh, with autism um, and, and the families. And, and I, I've got to believe everyone listening out there has, uh, has some attachment. And if you do six degrees or three degrees of, of separation, everyone knows someone uh, who, uh, who could relate. I think we all can relate uh, with the issues. And we thank uh, the good doctor for what she's doing and her husband is doing. And love Michael. I, I, I love the name of it. And, um, and again, it's L-U-V when you look it up. Frank McKay signing off. Dr. Lisa Libertor has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking Down. 
He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Thanks for having me. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with the wonderful Melissa Tittle. She is uh, she's an investigative uh, reporter. She's a, a director. She's a producer. She's so many things. She uh, just does wonderful work over the years. We'll talk about that later. But right now, let's uh, let's uh, introduce Melissa Tittle and uh, talk about the new documentary special, Shock Docs, The Visitors, and it'll be premiering next week, and it'll be a 9, uh, 9 p.m. Uh, time on uh, on the Travel Channel, and it's streaming on Discovery Plus, but this is a can't miss. Melissa, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, listen. I think you're going to get you're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of positive feedback from this. Everyone who's kind of got a little taste of it uh, is very excited about it. Can you give us a little overview without without spoiling, of course? <laughs> uh, yes, of course. So Whitley Strieber um, wrote the book Communion back in the '80s. Uh, famous book, first account of. Um, an alien abduction that's uh, ever been published. And um, in this investigative documentary kind of goes back to the scene of the crime with Willie. And, you know, many years later, after this has happened to him. And, um, and we not only have him recount the story again, but without me giving away too much, let's just put it this way, the visitors are still in contact with him. And so we, uh, we, doc- we, we actually get, we document that, which is insane. So that's all I'm going to say. You should definitely yeah. watch it. Well, listen, I'm, I'm tuning in. I mean, uh, no question, and we'll be urging everyone else to do as well. Uh, what was your first impression of uh, Whitley? Is this the first time you met him, or have you met him before in the past? I've talked to him on the phone before uh, for interviews uh, for different networks that I work for. Um, but this is the first time I actually got to meet him. Um, and, and he's fascinating. I think he's humble and he's very uh, trustworthy. Um, I always look at, like, when I'm interviewing somebody for an abduction uh, experience or story, I always think, okay, like, wh- why would they want to come forward with this story? Um I always, as a journalist, think to myself, some people might be making up a story, right? Yeah. But with Whitley, there would be no reason for him to do that, and there would be no reason for him to continue to do it. It's just happening to him, and you feel it when you speak to him. Yeah, your, uh, so your, your impression uh, of him, obviously, I mean, you're, whenever you're, you're meeting any any folks who have uh, a story that you're going to go into, you, you want to uh, think about credibility and uh, and so forth. Uh, what can you give us without spoiling uh, of of what um, what form uh, the visitors are in? Is that uh, would you spoil if you uh, said it? Is that kind of a, a a big gotcha in the middle of it, or does he get right into it? Uh, what form? Like what? Well, what are what are the visitors? What, what do they, what do they look like? What are they? Uh, what are they like? What do they talk like? What is it? You know, in other words, uh, what what is what what is he reporting? Are they human-like folks? Uh, what is his uh, what what is his description of of the of the beings that he's talking about? So 
So the beings that he describes are what we call today gray aliens. So that's like the, the long gray face with the big black eyes, um, the little bodies, that kind of thing. Um, so this, you know, this is in popular culture now, what everybody kind of sees as like an alien. Yeah. Um, so like that's kind of what, how he describes what the visitors are. And there's other there's other beings too that he describes. Like in the book, he says like this older, this kind of like older, like wrinkly skin woman. Um, like I've never heard that when I've interviewed other people before. But the way he describes it is so terrifying. <laughs> like I, I, I don't, I don't think I ever want to meet that wrinkly woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, let me let me ask you this. Uh, you've been you've done a lot of. Uh, work with this. Uh, you've done a lot of investigative uh, work, uh, you know, for years on uh, on this, and I've followed you, and it really, uh, you know, just wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful investigative work. Uh, have you been approached by anybody uh, governmentally that um, uh, that was disturbing to you, that either wanted to, uh, to have you um, either stifle, change, or hold back, or uh, just wanted information of what you have found out. Have you had any kind of government interaction? Um, not directly. Um, I've never had anybody from the government tell me I can't do something. Um, uh, it's not like, not like in the movies or anything like that. But I do feel um, there are forces at play that do not want certain things to come out. I actually think the conversation of aliens is not necessarily one of them, considering the government is uh, giving and reports and giving, you know, things like the New York Times information about how they don't know what they've seen over these Navy ships, right? right. Just a couple of days ago, they published something that, from the Pentagon that said, hey, we've actually confirmed now for sure, we know it's not man-made. We're like, okay, <laughs> what does that mean, right? So, so I think that there's other things that there are the powers that be do not want people necessarily to discover, only because in if humans can't under if humans can't control themselves underneath that amount of information, what will happen to a, a group of people, right? A, a society, a country, all that kind of stuff. But I don't actually think, I think we're at a, we are at a different point with the alien conversation. I think that they, they, whoever they are, uh, that, that there has been some kind of contact because there is a lot of talk about aliens and there is a lot of push to understand what is out there and it's speeding up. So as a journalist, I think, okay, if, it, if it's ramping up, if they're constantly trying to figure out what it is, then are we closer to having contact than we think we are? Well, let me ask you this. Why, why Whitley? Um, uh, was that random? Uh, is, is the whole situation random that, they, uh, that he was visited, that he was, um, uh, he was approached? Uh, or uh, was, is there something about Whitley? Was he, was he looking for this? Uh, was it uh, just uh, happenstance? Why Whitley? I mean, that's a really good question. <clears throat> I mean, uh, I mean, I would say from 
my journalist point of view, if I was another civilization, alien civilization, and I wanted to make it known that we exist in the same plane of existence, but maybe in a, another dimension with you, I would pick a very popular writer at that time to give him an experience so that he will write about it, and then everyone will know who we are, right? Right. I mean, that would make sense. If I were to say, why would they pick Whitley? That that would make sense in some form of them making themselves known. But then, but then the other thing is, okay, well, but the experience was terrifying for the guy. So what are you trying to say? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what, what is it that you want? You, we, they just want us to know that they exist. But the way he writes about them is that they're awful and it's scary. So, um, you know, later in his life, he, he came to understand that they also had messages for him. And they were, they, you know, this happens to a lot of people that get abducted, that they, um, that they get a message later on. So they go through this terrifying experience and then all of a sudden they realize the reason why they're being poked and prodded is because, because they are, these alien beings are telling them that they're, that they want to give humans a message that the world is ending and they have to do something about it. And they did the same thing to Whitley. They gave him that message. So why Whitley? The only thing I can say is just from, just from what I said, I think that they picked him to tell their story of that they exist. Melissa Tittle, uh, congratulations on all your work. Congratulations on your latest. We'll be watching. Uh, can you give us a website or a social media site where we can follow along with what you're doing? Sure. Um, I'm just at uh, Melissa Tittle on Instagram um, and uh, Facebook, same thing, Melissa Tittle. Uh, also, I uh, own a studio where I've seen lots of weird documentaries out about aliens and all sorts of stuff. HathorStudios.com. Check it out. Other than that, you can find me on Discovery Plus on Monday, September 5th for the visitors. Melissa, thank you very much for being here. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Shock Docs, the visitors, uh, is upon us and the um, uh, filmmaker here, the creator of the of the uh, the show is Melissa Tittle. She's from Long Island, by the way. How about that? She's from Long Island and Port Washington area. Uh, you know, it's uh, further west from from where I am. If you're listening elsewhere, but Shock Docs the Visitors is the the name. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. Melissa Tittle has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Sona Movesian is our very special guest and uh, the name of her book. And it's a must get, everyone. You've got to get this book. Uh, the World's Worst Assistant. And the foreword is written by Conan O'Brien, her own, uh, her old boss. And uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's an exaggeration. I'm sure she was a great assistant, but uh, it's, uh, it's funnier this way, I guess. And I, she's getting rave reviews. It sounds absolutely terrific. How are you? I'm good, and you know what? I actually still work for Conan. Oh, so he's I. You know, as I, I can't. You're right. I couldn't be that bad considering <laughs> I still work for him. So either yeah. he is, 
he's a glutton for punishment or I actually am not as bad as I think I am. Yeah, but it, listen, it, it works better this way. The the book it gives the book that interesting. It's like ah, it's like it's it's a gotcha kind of thing. But I give yeah. us a little give us a little bit of an overview. I mean, what and don't spoil. We want everybody to buy the book. Uh, but give us a little overview of what we could uh, see and read in the book. Well, I you know I worked for Conan O'Brien as his assistant for over thirteen years, and so in that time. I've really gotten to do a lot of really cool things and go to a lot of really cool places. But I think more importantly, I've also sort of, I, I realize, you know, there's, there's all these images and movies and TVs, TV shows about how hard it is to be a Hollywood assistant and how you have to sort of like do the most insane things. You have to go, you know, pick up their dog in the middle of the night, maybe take them to the vet if they're puking or something or pick up their kids. <laughs> every day but I've never had to do any of that stuff I've been very lucky because I work for a really cool guy uh, and you know I've never had any bad experiences sort of working for him and so I just I just thought it would be refreshing for people to read a book by a TV assistant where I, I just talk about how much fun I had and um, and there's really cool artwork in there my husband did all the cartoons and the artwork and uh, yeah it's a lot of behind the scenes stories a lot of how-to guides on how you can to be a bad assistant and and but make yourself indispensable and i just think it's it's very important literature <laughs> from yeah well yeah, listen i i agree with you but it's uh, i'm sure there's some practical stuff in there and from a practical standpoint uh, what must a an assistant be i mean i i imagine you got to put your ego uh, aside at times right you've got to put um, your pride aside uh, every once in a while, or you're not going to be able to pick up that puking pet or whatever. But uh, that's that's a big part of it, right? To be able to uh, to to understand humility. Right. Oh, it's a huge part about it. You're right. That's. I think that that's. You know, you have to do things. You basically have to do things for somebody else. You have to make their lives as easy as possible because they have so many other things that they're dealing with. So. For Conan, you know, he hosts this show called Conan. Uh, he hosted it up until last year. And, um, you know, he he has so many things that he has to do. So little things like, hey, how am I going to get my lunch? Or how am I going to refill my cholesterol medication? Or little things like that somebody else needs to do for him because he can't do all of these things. So... I'm that person, and there's a lot of times when I have to do things for him, and I forget to do things for myself. You know, I'm, I'm I barely have my life under control, so it's really hard to <laughs> to make sure somebody else somebody else's life is taken care of. So it, it is. It's a, it's a it's a very big eye opener on the things that you can and can't do. So how much different is this job than what you uh, anticipated it would been uh, when you first started out? I, you know, I really, when I first started out, I thought I was going to be this very professional person and I was going to do the job for a few years and then work up to being like, I don't know, a producer or something. I, I never really had much of a plan, but very quickly I realized I loved working for him. He made fun of me a lot. Uh, and then I started making fun of him thinking, let me see if I could get away with it. And I did. So now the two of us just make fun of each other all the time. And I'm still his assistant, and I really don't really care about 
moving on to something else because I'm having so much fun doing this. So I, I, you know, I've just really enjoyed and loved working for him. And I would love to continue working for him as, as long as he'll have me. So, um, you know, when I first started, I really thought it was going to be this very serious TV job. And then I realized very quickly that I'm working for Conan O'Brien, who is not a very serious person. He's very silly and he's a lot of fun. So, you know, that's what the job has been. It, it, it started off as one thing and it just sort of devolved into something else. You know, I've seen him, you know, in person a, a couple of times, just hi, goodbye, just at parties, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, very nondescript. But he seems like a genuinely nice guy. And and I know people say that about a lot of people, but he just doesn't look like there's a, a nasty bone in his body. But I'm sure there is. I'm sure he can get tough when he needs to uh, get tough. Or can he? Or are you the person that has to get tough uh, when it comes? Does he delegate that part out to you? I do think, you know what, he you're right. He is a really, really, really nice person, and he's incredibly generous, and I've seen him over the years, you know, go the extra mile for his staff. I saw him, you know, in between, after we left The Tonight Show and we started our show on TBS, he paid a lot of his staff out of pocket just to keep them on during that period because he wanted them to continue working for him on the PBS show. So I remember bringing him a stack of checks that he signed personally to send out to all these people to keep them on uh, and paid throughout the months that we weren't working. So there are definitely moments where I was just sort of in awe of how sweet he is and how nice he is. But he's still a boss, and there's times when he, you know, has to... um, take care of business and but he's not he's never really i've never really seen him be mean or rude to people he he has a very sort of uh genuine way of talking to people and 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 i think there's a reason why a lot of his staff has worked for him for many many years is because he's just always been a really great person to work for well listen congratulations uh things uh don't don't go uh uh, all that well in a career uh, without somebody there with you, and he's had just an amazing career. And even the last 13 years, a lot of transition there. But uh, it just he's a guy, one of those guys who's just had an amazing career. And uh, you know, look at the people that are on staff, and and you're obviously a, a big part of that. So congrats on on all his success, all your success as a team. Uh, and if you can, congrats on the book for sure. We'll be talking about it as we let you go. Uh, the book is the world's worst. Assistant, everybody get two copies, one for yourself and one for uh, your biggest uh, Conan O'Brien friend, a fan that you could find. Uh, can you give us a, a, a website, a social media site, something where we could follow along with what you're doing? Sure. I mean, I'm on Instagram on under Sonamov, S-O-N-A-M-O-V. Uh, you can follow me there. I'm not very good at posting, but I'll, I'll get a lot better uh, at it. But you can also follow Team Coco Podcast and Team Coco, which are Conan's two uh, channels, and, and that always gives the information on what we're doing just as a company and a team, and and there's always just fun things going on, and a lot of ridiculous clips from us recording our podcast and, and other things that Conan does, so yeah, you can, you can definitely catch up and, and see what we're up to. Uh, Sona, congrats again on the book and everything else. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much, Frank. It was so good talking to you. Uh, Sona Movesian. 
Again, Sona Movesian has been our very special guest, and she's a longtime assistant and co-host of his podcast, uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and she is, uh, uh, you know, has, has turned those experiences into a book, The World's Worst Assistant, and again, it's a, you know, it's a funny title, but obviously if she's there 13 years, still working for him at this point, uh, she can't be that she can't be that bad, and I'm sure she's very good. I, I kind of, you know, just uh, heard her a little, uh, you know, prior to, to uh, us. Uh, we're recording. We're not live. Um, and and she sounded, you know, she sounded a lot like a, you know, professional assistant, you know, like a very organized, right, whatever. So, uh, you know, <laughs> she's she's in that world, and she's in that Hollywood world, and, uh, and you know, listen, Conan O'Brien's had one of the best careers of, of anyone that's uh, that's an interviewer, one of the late night hosts, and you know him along with, you know the the others. I mean, he was a kind kind of a bridge um, between the the Jay Leno, um, David Letterman years, and uh, you know the Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel years, and all of that. So. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, uh, he was a, kind of a bridge character. And, you know, like I said, when uh, when I met him, you know, briefly, I mean, I just met a hi, goodbye, uh, just, uh, you know, because he was standing there and somebody said, oh, Frank, this is Conan. And whatever. he seems like a, a, a very, very nice guy. I mean, he really does. You know, where uh, where I met Letterman uh, a couple of times and, and, you know, you didn't even want to talk to him because he looked like he was just pissed off at, at something, you know, he was mad at something. Both times I saw Letterman, he was furious with somebody and I, I didn't know where or or um or what was going on, but you know, you just uh you know, you just look like, oh, I'm getting his way. Conan O'Brien seemed like the opposite type guy. And, and you never know on stage what uh what they're gonna be like off stage. Uh, but um you know Conan O'Brien's assistant, uh, Sona Movesian, has been our very special guest and Check out her book, The World's Worst Assistant, and it's a an irreverent how-to guide uh, for becoming a terrible yet unfireable employee. I'm reading here, and get away with uh, doing the bare minimum at work. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Tom Hopper is our very special guest. And uh, he is uh, wonderful. You know his work from Game of Thrones and uh, Billy Bones and Black Sails. He was just terrific there. And um, Percival, Sir Percival, and uh, Merlin and, and so much uh, so much else on his thing. The body of work is impressive, but the quality within the body of work is is even more impressive. A must watch for everyone is Love in the Villa, and I, you could uh, you could see it coming up this weekend on Netflix. Uh, it's a must watch for everybody. You guys, just absolutely terrific. Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, man. How are you? I'm doing great. And if you can, give us a little uh, a rundown on Love in the Villa. Uh, well, a little rundown would be, well, it's a romantic comedy, uh, which I think everyone needs a little bit of in their lives uh, at the moment. Uh, it's about a girl who, uh, she's a third-grade English teacher, and she's always teaching her kids about Romeo and Juliet and Verona. 
she's been obsessed with Romeo and Juliet and Verona her entire life, and she's planned this whole trip with her boyfriend. And uh, on the night before they're supposed to go, uh, Brandon, her boyfriend, breaks it off and doesn't want to be with her anymore because she's uh, it's too intense for him. And uh, she goes off to Verona on her own anyway. She decides to go. And everything's going wrong for her. She's losing her luggage. She's like, got babies being sick on her and all sorts of stuff. And she uh, she gets to Verona. And to top it all off, the villa that she's supposed to be staying in is already inhabited by a tall, arrogant Englishman uh, by the name of Charlie, who I play. And they don't get on at all. They're polar opposites. He's very cynical. She's super romantic. And they, they're complete polarizers. So they start to try and oust each other from the villa, uh, which all goes a little bit pear-shaped. And, uh, and that's how the story sort of goes. And you can imagine the, how, it, how it ends up with, in a rom-com. Yeah, listen, my wife and I are watching it this weekend, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, is this a departure for you? I mean, uh, is this... Is this something that uh, that you've done more of in the past? And pardon my ignorance on that. I I, I don't think I've ever seen you in a rom com. So the only rom com I did, I did a uh, a movie called um, I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. Ah, right. Oh, and that was my first kind of introduction to it. Um, but I played like a supporting role in that. So this is my first like leading male in a rom com. And I have to say, I was very as you say, you know, like you'd not seen me or something like that, and I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't foreseen myself in something like this. So it was, it was a big challenge for me, and that's why I wanted to do it. You know, Mark Stephen Johnson, the writer director of the movie, approached me about the role and said, you know, I think you'd be great at this. And I was like, why do you think I'd be great at this? You don't see me do anything like this. Um, and he was like, no, 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 trust me, you can, you can definitely do this. So I, uh, I went in there and saw it as a challenge, you know, and I, I loved every second of it I had the best time shooting this movie um, you know also my wife Laura um, got cast in the, in the movie as well she auditioned for one of the roles and Mark was like she's great I want her in the movie so she, uh, she she's very very funny my wife she's a very good comedic actress so she she's playing uh, this role of casting in the movie uh, so we got to do it together you know which is a huge special moment for me and my wife to do a movie together so that made it extra special. Yeah, you know, that's terrific. And listen, I agree. I agree with him. I, I think you'll be terrific in this. I'm really, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I, when you play complicated characters, and you've played a lot of comp complicated characters, some darkness in there, and, and you know, some heroic uh, folks in there, but I, when you play complicated characters, I assume that you, you could do anything, you know. And and again, I don't know. I don't know what the the character in in Love in the Villa uh, is like from what you describe. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sure there's some twists and turns there, and the personalities and and, and so forth. But uh, I it, do you find that to be true when you do. Uh, first of all, when you do Game of Thrones, I think you know a lot of people just automatically, um, uh, you know, want to want to include you in things. Black sales, the same thing. I, you know, the, you've been involved in shows that and and roles that I think are staying with people uh, for years and years. And I, you know, I think ten years from now, people are going to uh, look look at the, uh, the you know the role of Billy and uh, you know and and some of your other roles and uh, and see them as almost being new. 
but because you have this this body of work behind you and and you know some of the complicated roles I imagine you're going to get more and more offers uh, for doing things that have really uh, probably never crossed your mind. Yeah, you know what? That's the thing that I'm always looking for, right? Like, I'm always looking for new challenges. I'm always looking for something completely different. That's why um, the show I'm currently on, Umbrella Academy, really appealed to me because it was superheroes that are flawed as people and they have all these problems like everyone does in real life. And it wasn't so much about them being superheroes, it was about who they are underneath the superhero and what problems you get from the challenges of being a superhero, the reality of that. And I'm always looking for some stuff like that. You know, I'm always looking for something completely different. Um, and, you know, you, I think the, to go back to what you were saying about, you know, like trying to find the nuances in different characters, all you can ever do is play the truth of that character's journey. Whatever journey that person is on, that character you're portraying, all you can ever do is play their their truth, and that's why I always look for, you know, like just try and be as truthful as possible and um, and do justice to the writing. You know, the writer has has delivered a character on the page, and it's my job to give that character a beating heart and to put it into people's memories as a visualization of that that original idea of that character. Before we let you go, let you, go. Uh, you know, I know it's a, you, we talk about complicated characters. There's also complicated times, and, uh, you know, uh, because of that, uh, there's a lot of um, fluidness in the, uh, or fluidity, whatever the word is, in uh, in schedules. I don't know what uh, what you have coming up. You mentioned the Umbrella Academy. We'll be uh, pointing people to that, too, as we let you go. But anything else you have coming up in the next year? Uh, I don't know if it's uh, if your schedule's rock solid or if it's uh, if it's fluid because of the circumstances around. Um, uh, give us an idea of what you're looking at for the rest of this year. Uh, well, the rest of this year, um, uh, there's a movie that I've just signed um, onto uh, now, which I'm about to shoot. I can't say what it is; it's not been announced yet, so they won't let me announce it. Yeah. Um, but I'm shooting a movie. Uh, for the rest of this year and then um i'm actually starting to produce now as well so I'm, there's a couple of movies that i'm doing uh later the end the very end of this year and then after umbrella season four um i probably yeah, just to give you because i can't announce them yet so um, i'm kind of restricted slightly but there uh, some's in the comedy space some is in the action comedy space and some's in the probably more action thriller space but the, the one sort of through line particularly in the action uh, movies is I think what's really important with action is that the, there is part of the story that feeds the action. So the action becomes like a seasoning on top of the the truth of the story and the heart of the story, which is about the characters ultimately. So the movies that we're producing, that, that's what we're, we're looking for. So we're kind of doing the things that I've done in the past with the action and the comedy and all that stuff, but really bringing in... Um, with that, like the, what you talked about, the complicated characters and getting an audience to connect with those first, it's, it's really important. Hey, Tom, congratulations not only on, on loving the villa, but uh, also putting together a great career. Can you give us a, a website or a social media site that we could follow along with what you're doing? Um, the only one I'm really active on, I guess, is Instagram. Uh, Tom Tom Hopper Hops is the name of my Instagram. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the only one I'm really sort of, I, I sort of mainly active on. Tom, we'll be watching this weekend. Thanks for being here. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. 
Tom Hopper, everyone, has been our very special guest. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, you hear the British accent, right? And, uh, and you know, you're talking about Black Sails and Game of Thrones and, um, you know, uh, playing uh, playing Merlin. Uh, well, well, playing in Merlin. Um, and uh, what was that? Sir Percival, he, uh, he played. But anyway, he's... Uh, He's, uh, what did he have to do with Chris Helms, uh, Hemsworth? Somebody mentioned him uh, that, oh, that he was, uh, that body-wise, he, he looks like Chris, uh, Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor, right? So he's six foot five, this guy, and he's all cut up, and he's shredded, and um, he, uh, what the hell did, I was just looking at something, um, you know, oh, a Viking Sea, Northman Viking Sea, I, I didn't, uh, uh, a Viking saga. I, I didn't see that, but they're uh, they're pushing that, and I guess they they said he looked like Chris Hemsworth, and if, uh, if you know who Chris Hemsworth is right, he's a superstar at this point, but he plays Thor, and he's uh, you know he's, uh, he's he's ripped to shreds and big guy, six foot five and whatever. So I uh, you know you you're gonna when you look like that and you have a uh, you have a British accent and you can act. Uh, you're going to get a, a, a lot of uh, heroic or, or dramatic uh, roles in all the anything that has a British accent. You're going to get some attention on. But he's done a terrific job of building a career around uh, around his look and around his skill set. And uh, yeah, really a terrific actor. I mean, he's uh, he's done a great job with uh, with all of this. Uh, a rom com for him. I, I remember after he said that about the Amy. Schumer, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the, the lead. He wasn't the male lead in that. I forget who the hell that was in that, that Amy Schumer uh, movie. I, I saw that, and I saw that in the theaters. Um, anyway, Tom Hopper has been our very special guest. Love in the Villa on Netflix. It's uh, a rom-com uh, date night uh, movie. But anyway, check out uh, some of his other stuff. But Love in the Villa is his latest. Uh, Tom Hopper has been our very special guest, Frank McKay, signing off. We'll see you next time on... In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's breaking it down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.